Mr. Uh, oh, excuse me, Lord Scarbladder. You and your horde of orcs are gonna find these catacombs most sufficient for your needs. If you'll just uh, follow along there on that non-repo blue enumerated floor plan I've provided. But you see, there are 33 main chambers, five secret corridors, and a particularly nasty passage into the Underdark. Did I mention that the previous owner's gonna leave behind his carrion crawler? Yes, yes, it's all very nice. But do I really need eight different pit traps? I'll lose half my goblin hirelings before the first adventurer ever steps foot into the place. Well, think of it as a uh, lackey incentive program. Oh, so those damned magic mouths are never alcove? Well, that's the price you gotta pay for security. And, and this maze section. Do you really think that I want to get up and work through that every morning? It could be model. Do you know what it's going to cost? To replace those iron maidens alone in Hey, don't sweat it, don't sweat it. You know what? I know some people. Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this wall. Hi, this is Bob, 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 v v v v Vila. And now, it's time for the show, This Old Dungeon. The show where grognards go to get their grog on. Pretend the two of us, we're going to get a lot of stuff done. We're going to kick some ass. We're going to be awesome. Featuring your hosts. I'm Briggy, I'm Thomas's wife, and I'm the noob. Somebody here call a carpenter? Uh, this is Thomas, husband to Briggy. And uh, let's see, I work for a library, I write, I draw, I paint, I do all of this, but none of it very well. The truth is, I can always find games, though. This is Lou Alu. I could charitably call myself a game designer and game publisher, but definitely a veteran role player, 35 plus years. We work on it the rest of the night, we get it together. We can do this, right? There's no way in hell we can do it. All right, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, uh, welcome to another, or actually a continued episode of This Old Dungeon. I'm Lou Alu. I'm Briggy. And I'm Thomas. How's everybody doing tonight? Ah. <sighs> It, it's it's almost a, it's almost a record, you know. It's it's not been two months since we've recorded an episode. <laughs> it's just a couple of weeks. So I, th- you know, we've got our. I think we got our big boy podcaster pants on now. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> oh man, so uh, you guys got spring fever? Oh god, um, yes, I do. It depends on what you mean by spring fever. Just like oh, uh, that's man, I, I you know if. Uh, you know, if someone leaves the door open, I'm running out, you know, kind of thing, like a dog that's been cooped up too much. I just want to get out. I want to go hiking. I want to, want to, you know, build a bonfire. I don't know. I just got to get out. Got to get out, man. I, you know, I'm going to say yes because in a cup, in about, after next week, my kids are on spring break. We've taken the time off. We plan yes. on going to some state parks and doing some picnics and a little bit of trail hiking, you know. So, yeah, I'm looking forward to that. That's great. Yeah. Yeah, like, we are. And I gotta ask Thomas when uh, when you go hiking, 
in the back of your mind about every you know 15 minutes or so are you thinking about what you know what would this be like in a game you know, you know is it if, if, if this was a, a rpg adventure you know what you know what would i put where well, i absolutely yes uh, in fact uh um well, okay, the, the famous or infamous, actually famous, Greyfall campaign that I ran, which you were a part of, mm-hmm. Briggy was mm-hmm. a part of, we had some other friends that were a part of it. Um, where, which to anyone who, you know, if I've not mentioned it before, and Greyfall is set in the Greyhawk universe. It's a bunch of expatriates from uh, Greyhawk that left and made their own settlement, and they called it Grey Fall, because, but it's because it's near a waterfall and everything. But anyway, that is entirely based upon where it's set up is Turkey Run State Park here in Indiana. If you've ever been to Turkey Run State Park in Indiana, it is Grey Fall as far as my <laughs> setting is concerned. So, yes, not only does that happen, I've done it. Yeah, I remember <laughs> uh, you kind of hinting that the map came from, from a real place and we were, like, looking at it and trying to – and then you said, oh, Turkey Run. It's like, oh, yeah, there's the ladders and there's the yeah. – you know, that's where that cave is. And mm. That was cool. I added a few features to it to make it a little bigger, but, you know, uh, a lot of the features – like, there's this huge – it's called the Erratic. It is – it's like this monstrous rock that's a Turkey Run. It's huge. Uh, and they're saying it was, you know, scooted several hundreds of miles by the glaciers thousands of years ago. Anyway, the erratic is there in in Greyfall, you know. It, and this thing's a monster. It's like a the big house size almost. Cube. Yeah, it's huge, but uh, and it's almost like a cube. It's very cool. But yeah, it's it's there also. So yeah. Off topic, but when you've been there before, have you ever gone to the side that has the ruins of the old mill? No, I don't think I have. It's kind of interesting. I'm trying to remember if we have, but I don't it's, think it's, uh, so. It's just down from where, like, the, and I forget the guy's name, but the guy that donated the land, his house, the, the old, oh, you know, okay. kind of Pioneer Day house or whatever. It's, uh, mm-hmm. it's, 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 there's not much there. It's, like, just a big slab of rock that has chiseled areas in it where, you know, they used to have the posts and the, you know, the stuff that made the mill, um, but you can just kind of see, you know, where it would have been and how the big wheel would have hung out into the Sugar Creek or whatever it is there. Uh, it anyway. is Sugar Creek. Yeah. yeah, Sugar Creek. No, I've not been to that one. Um, speaking of, uh, it's not a state park, but speaking of big mills and stuff, you ever been to Squire Boone Caverns in southern Indiana? Mm-hmm. Okay. Fantastic, yeah. Yeah. God, I'm just I'm just remembering that uh, you know they also have, they actually have a functioning old water wheel there too. Yeah, and just uh, not too far from that's the the Spring Mill State Park that also has a, a currently working grist mill. It's pretty yeah. cool. Well, you know, welcome to the you, yeah, welcome mm-hmm. to the colonial era frontier Indiana podcast. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh. But yeah, any, anytime I'm out at a state park or whatever, uh, you know, I don't try to make it my thing, but I can't help but like looking at something and going, hmm, you know, if, if this was D&D, you know, what would I, you know, put there? Or, you know, if I was trying to map this for an adventure, how would I draw the map? You know, especially when I've done like spelunking and stuff, because real mm-hmm. caves are nothing like a cave map, and I've never seen a cave map that can do them justice. Oh, I agree. 
Yeah. Well, you know, you're just like when you talk about that, you know, you're just one bad day from going into a LARP at that point. And, you know, friends don't let RPG friends LARP. Uh, uh, amazing and monstering, man. Amazing and monstering. <laughs> we should do a watch along of that and do our own little uh, mystery science theater of it sometime and release our own track of it. Like our own riff tracks. Yeah, I just we recently got Roku, and I I just discovered this week that they have a MST three thousand channel that's just yes. constant replays of all their stuff. They do. I'm, I'm going to waste true. a lot of my life. <laughs> oh. oh, well, well. We have it on well our waste. internet stream. <laughs> yeah. On our TV because our TV is uh, internet. Um, we got one of them's our smart TVs. Smart TV. <laughs> yep. Well, honestly, last year when the pandemic started to really happen and, you know, things were locking down, our regular TV started to crap out on us, and then it crapped out. And I'm like, I've got the money saved up. I'm going to go buy a TV right now. And you were like, what? And I go, no, no, we are not going to survive this if we don't have a TV. <laughs> it, it would still work. It just had this, like, yellow annoying line. Well, um, no, then it finally stopped, remember? Oh, yes, it, it did. It was like you – you could hear it, but you couldn't see it or something weird like that. Cause I didn't notice that it, the picture was no longer working. Yeah. Cause I was in the other room working. Yeah. I was in another room working. So all I was doing was hearing it and I went to like actually see something and it. It was like, Oh, we don't have a picture anymore. <laughs> hmm. yeah, I'm like, Oh, oh, oh the hell for the visually said. impaired. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's like the old WKRP thing. Uh, you remember the episode they they the the record the the song ends then Johnny Fever gets on there and he's like well that moment of silence was for our deaf listeners <laughs> <laughs> well guys uh, I know I know we said that we would just jump right into the uh, the big game here and talk about Queen of the Demon Web Pits but we did get two letters in and and I know we talked before the podcast here so let's uh. Let's go to letters to the homeowners association, and we'll we'll address these two uh, write-ins here so that they don't feel ignored for another month in case uh, bad stuff happens. <laughs> we just got a letter. We just got a letter. We just got a letter. Wonder who it's from. My opinion is letter writer is a total wacko. All right. So our first letter is from uh, our longtime listener, uh, fourth-time writer Jonathan Kurtz. Uh, in case. In case you guys, I, I can't remember if we mentioned this or not, but we're actually uh, in a game with Jonathan currently doing some Mutant Crawl Classics with him, uh, and that's been a real cool thing. It's been a pleasure mm-hmm. to get to know him. Uh, so he Absolutely. writes to us. He says, thanks a lot for your answer to my game-style jargon question. I learned a lot and enjoyed hearing your thoughts. In an effort to increase my gaming in the age of COVID, I've gotten into some of the D&D solo adventures. I just completed the first mission on Lanthan's Gold on my second try. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I've got a question I hope historian Thomas, you now have a title, Thomas. <laughs> Apparently well, I, you're the D&D well, historian of our group. <laughs> I do work in a library, so I'll own that. Okay, yeah. Yeah, yeah, true. So historian Thomas could help on, um, what's up with the combat charts? I can understand using them for, mo- uh, for mass combat, especially when playing solo, but I really don't get the single combat chart. Why were these used? And were they used elsewhere or in just some of the solo adventures? Well, um, I we, t- we discussed this t- uh, very 
quickly off the mics, and we're all pretty much of the opinion that, first off, it's a holdover from original wargaming, which D&D evolved from the, you know, the tabletop wargaming. You're doing uh, military recreations of famous battles or things like that. Um, and then that kind of morphed into fantasy stuff, and then that morphed into D&D. Uh, and that's, I think that's really what it's a holdover from. But I think really what it, also what it comes down to is uh, combat charts just predate, in D&D terms, Thaco to hit armor class zero, which was really – I would you say, uh, Lou, that that was kind of the start of formula-based D&D games I, I where you have so. a formula yeah. instead of a chart? Because um, the chart and tables, that was very much a TSR thing. I think that's very much a Gygax thing. Uh, heck, that might be a Gygax thing that's a holdover from tabletop wargaming and the fact that he was, what, an insurance adjuster before he <laughs> yeah. became a full-time game designer, <laughs> you know? Uh, it, I mean, it really could be just a holdover from that. Yeah, you go um, with what you know, right? Yeah. Yeah, and as far as the tables are concerned, yeah, especially TSR games used a lot of tables, uh, especially the early stuff. Uh, and, in fact, if you... Um, they didn't have them for like the solo adventures like that, but if your your DM screen, especially, I'm thinking of the Beck Me Classic one, which is what I had as a kid. You know, it's got the three monsters on yeah, it. It's nice kind owl of bear weird. in it on the front. Yeah, it's like an owl bear and a, mm-hmm. an owl? Owl bear. I don't uh, hook horror. Hook horror, that? yeah. That was one of them. You know, the I have it downstairs. Oh. I'm upstairs, but um, hook horror, owl bear, and. I keep wanting to see one of the the bad guys from the Dark Crystal, but that's not it. <laughs> oh, uh, uh, what were those? Yeah, the yeah, what are those guys called? The little like uh, vulture men, uh, not Nagpos, yeah. but uh, yeah, the Nagpos. Skeks I think were in Dark Crystal. Yeah, <laughs> that's the Dark like Crystal. That. Yeah, Ske- Skeksis. Yeah. Is but the, yeah, on the back of those those original G. Uh, Dungeon Master screens, they had those tables, and those tables were of course also reprinted in the in the Dungeon Master's guide. And so, you know, it's like you look at look at one column and then look at one row and where your fingers meet, that's the number you want to roll, you know. But well, then you they know came what? That, that might also be a thing there, too, is that uh, because the solo adventures were really meant for the players to buy, uh, they wouldn't yeah, have so, access to the, the screen, right? That's where uh, you're going? Yeah, maybe, now that you, now we're talking it through, because um, back in the day they used to, there used to be this mindset that if you weren't a dungeon master, you didn't buy modules or you didn't even own a dungeon master's guide. You know, you yeah. shouldn't use it. Well, even so, the, like, you know, granted, this is basic D&D, but advanced Dungeons and Dragons, you didn't even have a combat matrix in the player's book. Like, the player had no, no it's clue. No, not in the player's book. Yeah. Yep. Nothing. I mean, I, I don't even think turning was in there. I think turning and combat and saving throws, all of that came from the DMG. Yeah, it, I mean, I think the only thing you had in the player's handbook was just, here's how to figure out what your score is, but I'm not going to, you know, as far as what it means and how to use it, mm-hmm. no. What pluses you would have or whatever, yeah. Right, yeah. But I think it's it's an old holdover is what that was. And I kind of liked him because when I was a kid, I had a lot of trouble with math. Um, and D&D helped me, you know, overcome a lot of that. But at first, not having to do all the... Uh, uh, the the addition and subtraction mm-hmm. and multiplication and things like that, but just having the chart helped me out a lot. And then well, after a while, and with the uh, with the descending armor class, 
Mm-hmm. I mean, that's a whole other monster there too. That people today even say, "Oh, you know, I, I, you know, I'm so glad they went to ascending. It was, you know, so difficult to deal with the negative numbers." And for some of us, it's not so hard. But but there it's are not. people that that's a that, you know that takes a few more seconds of processing. And when you're running a game, uh, you know, those could be seconds that you know are precious in keeping it flowing and going. You know. Yeah, well, and I'll tell you right now, the descending armor class, which went from 10 to 0 to negative 10, um, I'll tell you right now, as a kid who had a lot of trouble with math uh, when he was in junior high and had a lot of problems with the teachers and stuff like that, when I finally went to college when I was an adult, I was taking uh, an algebra class, and we were doing the number lines and stuff, and I'm looking at it going, holy crap. <laughs> This is this is descending armor. I already know how to do this, and D and D taught me how to do that. You know? <laughs> yeah, comics and D and D, man, that's the better part of my education. Yeah, it really <laughs> is. Yeah, me too. So there's your answer. You know, it's just really just kind of a holdover. Now it's all formula. If you because you can still find some solo adventure stuff here and there. Um, I have a Conan the Barbarian one that uses the GURPS systems downstairs. Ooh. And it's kind of formula based. It just no, like, you, like legitimate this. Conan. Yeah, they got I, they had a license for a little that. while. This would have been like in the eighties sometimes. Oh, boy, the, man, the Conan, Conan gets license, around. Yeah, well, he does. Uh, it's, <laughs> that license has jumped around a lot too. Yeah. TSR had it for a while. Uh, Steve Jackson had it for a while. Um, Mongoose Publishing had it for a bit, and now Modifius has it. Yeah. So, but I think that's also one of those things of. You know, hey, if you're willing to pay the licensing fee, we're willing to, you know. Of course, now they probably can't because Modifius is like, okay, we have the rights to do this. You can't sell these rights to anyone else right now, you know. So who knows? I don't know if it was at the same time or maybe I should do a little research. But, yeah. Did uh, 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 You had said that you had played a solo adventure before for D&D? Yeah, man, I cannot remember which one it was. It might, You know what it might have been? It was uh, actually a paperback book, you know, like a oh, yeah, the, uh, yeah, which way kind of ones that they had, yeah. Yeah, and I've Endless played Quest, some. I think they called them. That's what the D and D one was called, yeah. and I've seen a few others, and they had some where you could actually roll the mm-hmm. dice and you know, kind of have a little combat, and if you make it, you know, instead of just picking, pick page twenty two or page thirty seven. Ha- do a little combat, keep track of it, and if you lose, go to page 22, and if you win, go to page, you know, it's the same <laughs> thing, just a few extra steps to make it a little more gamey, you know. Yeah. So, yeah, Allison, I've done, have you ever uh, done a solo adventure for RPG? Uh, no, the the only thing that I could really think of that I've done, and it's a solo one, is those books where you go to those pages or whatever, Just that's about it. Adventures, yeah. Exactly. That's, that's it. That is the... Uh, I ha- I'm not a loner RPGer, I guess. Well, I mean, other than uh, my is game, that euphemism guess, but... for loser? What 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 is that? There's a little no, no. Uh, disdain oh, in your no, voice no. there. Nah, um, it's just I've never done it. I never uh, thought of doing it, really. Yeah, well, a lot of games used to do that just as a way to introduce you to some very easy, basic core concepts to the game. I remember West End Games with, uh, I think they did that some with Star Wars, but mm-hmm. they definitely did it when they had the DC Comics license, because when you first got the book, you here's the stats for Robin, and you're going to play, it's like a four or five page adventure, and it just introduces you to some of the dice concepts. 
Yeah, yeah, and uh, yeah, and that's kind of a, a neat idea. Something I, I almost kind of wish I'd see more of in games is you know just a little couple page here. Let's run you through the rules. Uh, I would rather do that than every. It seems every RPG does this now. They do a page or two of what's more or less a, a very fakey looking transcript yeah. of an RPG session. I say really fakey because it no no one talks like this, um, you know. And but uh, yeah, I would rather have a little mini adventure that's four or five pages than one of those little scripts because I'm not going to read those little scripts. I've read them before. And no, I'm <laughs> yeah. definitely not going to do them. Now. Got got a little bit of a panic attack going here because I'm I'm literally like a week away from from publishing uh, the Dare Luck Club book and. Uh, I, I didn't do the script thing because I've, I've heard from too many people that, look, nobody ever reads those. It doesn't give you much value. Uh, so I just kind of, as I went through the rules, gave like a little paragraph under each rule of an example of the, the rule in use. And I um, think that's a much better way to do but, it. But too. man, I wish I'd done the little mini adventure. Damn it. <laughs> oh, well. Well, you can always, you know, hey, do it as a free download on Drive Through RPG or yeah. something. Yep. Extra content. That always. Uh, so since you bring it up, I'm going to put a pin in that for a second. You say you're getting ready to publish Dare Luck Club. What formats are you uh, doing, and where can people find that? So, it, it, like I said, it, it'll it'll at least be a week because I've got a, tons of great artists, including yourself. Um, but I got this one guy that like Dare, Dare Luck Club can serve many functions as far as like the the kind of feel it can have. You can do like zany Scooby Doo kind of stuff, or you can do some like pretty serious, you know, like Stephen King the body or it or whatever kind of stuff. Um, but his his vision is exactly how I like it to be, which is just my flavor. But I want it to be open for anybody's flavor. So anyhow, this uh, Santi Ibora, he's an artist that's been doing some stuff for me. He's really fast and he's really good and he's really economical. Um, but I just I kind of got to him late because I hem hawed about whether I was gonna do a Kickstarter again or just pay the money and see what happens. So uh, he's got like one or well he's got one sketch to finish and one to do. Uh, so sometimes he's super fast and sometimes he's normal paced. So I, I'm saying a lot of things just to get to the point of it, it, it may be out <laughs> in a week, it may be out in two weeks, but but I'm I'm sure that at some point in April it'll arrive <laughs> on Drive Through RPG. And uh, I'm looking to try to get it out in uh, at least PDF and uh, perfect bound. I might do hard bound on it. I don't know how big of a demand there'll be for that. I personally would love to have my own creation in hard bound as a you know little uh, vanity gift, <laughs> but uh, I don't know that it's really you know worth the extra money to do that or not. Well, now is it? It's going to be a, P, a print on demand, right? Yes. Okay. But just nice. for like the the consumer side of things, I don't know too many people that on an unknown game, if they have a choice between a, you know, like thirty five dollar perfect bound or a forty five dollar hard bound, you know what I mean? I, I might have to wait until I get a few more you know followers on the game before I, I try to go luxury like that. Well, because I'm looking at it and thinking, well, I will pay to get myself a uh, perfect bound paperback version of this. So I'm glad to know that's going to be an option. Yeah. Yeah, there's just something I, you know, there's something that it, if it's not physical, it doesn't feel real to me. You know what I mean? I can't just go PDF. I mean, I don't know why. It's a hang-up, I guess. Um, it depends on what it is. Well, especially if it's something that, you know, you've worked on and put so much time and effort into. So, yep. We got one more letter here. 
so this is from Richard Ullman, who had wrote in earlier asking us about the gangbusters uh, thing. And he said, hey, I just finished episode 8. It's great to hear you guys again. Thanks for answering my question on gangbusters. You guys had talked about playing a Western RPG. It was mentioned that a small amount of Supernatural mixed in with the Western would attract more interest. How do you guys feel about mixing genres? Maybe gangbusters in D&D. So. (laughs) Okay. Okay, so like he's saying maybe mix like a D&D game. With gangbusters. Well, I could see that. I I guess. It's almost, I mean, Dragon Heist is kind of sort of going down that trail a little bit. Yeah, there's been lots of comics, and like it'd be like urban fantasy. You know, right. You have a mobster who, you know, one of their enforcers, it, it's a little shadow run, too. Now, there's a genre mixer right there. <laughs> um, but, you know, you could have a, a mob enforcer who is uh, an ogre, or you could have, a, you know, okay. the conciliary yeah. of, a, uh, of a mob boss, you know, is a wizard, you know. That sort of thing, yeah. which if anyone doesn't know, the conciliary is uh, kind of considered a, a legal advisor to uh, that particular mob outfit, and spe- specifically the, the head of that outfit. So, yeah, could you imagine, you know, you have, you know, Don Corleone and then uh, Tom Hagen is actually, you know, a seventh level necromancer <laughs> or something, you know, just to put it in Godfather terms. <laughs> <laughs> Leave the wand of fireball. Take the cannoli. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty good because Briggy does not even like mob movies, but even she got that one. Dislike, but yeah. And then I thought in my head, no, always take the cannoli. I don't know what you're thinking. <laughs> you always take the cannoli. Uh, but yeah, uh, I, I like delicious. genre mixing. I do too. I think that's part of why I'm having fun with uh, with Mutant Crawl Classics is because you, you just don't know what's going to happen. I mean, you get Stone Age stuff in there, you get some high tech stuff. Right. You could easily do it in a Doctor Who situation. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, very. I've done that in a Doctor Who situation. We had a friend who was have. I've ran um, birthday party games tailored for the birthday person, and I ran a Doctor Who in the Old West, which has been done on Doctor Who before. Right. But, you know, science fiction in the Old West, you know, uh, but uh, I've always I've always wanted to do a superhero science fiction mashup. And, you know, of course, you say that and you think, oh, Guardians of the Galaxy or Green Lantern. Or I also think of uh, Legion of Superheroes. Yeah. That's a big one for me, because also it gives you a lot more characters to work with. It's a little different. It's more of a typical superhero team sort of thing. You don't have to be all superhero-y. You can have an alien who just has a particular ability, and so they join this team. Uh, that's one that I think is, is you know, uh, easily accessible to people, mm-hmm. too. Well, I, th- I know we had talked about uh, the few times that I've experienced true genre mashing uh, has been with superheroes where I mean obviously you got like the the old Marvel phase rip stuff where you had the all, uh, all this in World War two and the whole uh, Kang time series there but then also uh, at the shop when I was running some of the DC universe stuff we did a thing where they got involved with oh man I kind of forget it uh, I'm not a big DC guy but uh, the time Lords is that right the guys that like straighten out time and all that 
Or time? No, that's what is it? Time Lords or Doctor? Doctor Who, Who yeah. Anyhow, um, the Time Sentinels, the Time—I don't know. Anyhow, there's this. I, I had to read up on it because I, I was not a big DC uh, guy, but um, we did a thing where there was time travel and they messed up the time stream, and then these guys were coming after them, and they jumped through a bunch of different uh, historical periods. We went to like ancient Rome and a couple other things. Um, so that was a little bit of genre mashing with the, the superheroes and the modern technologies and some of the cultures that they experienced. Um, I did another birthday game very similar once. That one went weird, but anyway. <laughs> uh, it was uh, for Tim, our adopted son. It was a mm -hmm. Star Trek game where they beam down to a planet that's very much a and d type setting, which you could do in Star Trek or mm -hmm. in Doctor Who. You know, yeah. oh, it's, for, it's, right. you know, it's time travel. series, right? I mean, that was happening all the time. Right. I mean, they, they found a way to do a Western with Spectre of the Gun. They did a Roman, I can't remember that episode, but they did, uh, you know, they were basically in ancient Rome. They've done World War II. They did a mob thing with, um, oh, what is the name of that episode? It's, uh, I can't think of it, but it's the one where they go, they beam down to the planet and it's all the mobsters. A piece of the action, mm. you know. So you suddenly had science fiction in a mob universe, you know. So I, I think, uh, yeah, there's a lot. But the the one I've always wanted to do is science fiction and superheroes. Mm -hmm. Well, I think the D&D &D thing, I, I'm just looking at it. I'm thinking, you know, the, the next time I'm playing D&D &D and there's there's something that goes wrong with a teleport spell or a, 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 a you know, mirror of, what do you call those things? The Hang on it. Um, <laughs> oh, the, the mirrors that you can go through. Um, mm -hmm. Anyhow, you know what I'm talking about, folks. Yeah, mirrors. Uh, portals. Yeah, they got a, they got a. D and D has its, you know, its uh, trademark name for those. Uh, but anyhow, um, you know, wh why not? You know, why not say, okay, uh, we'll, we'll continue next session, and the next session just break out a whole different game, you know, and be like, okay, you guys appear in the 1920s in a, you know, land very similar to America, and you know, here we go. Uh, I've had that thought where you would be playing. I've even thought of doing that with different systems. Like we're playing, say we're doing the old FASA Star Trek. Okay. We're playing Star Trek and blah, blah, blah. And then we have a transporter accident. I, and then they beam down to the planet and it's like this dystopian future kind of thing with magic and weird stuff. And, and uh, I establish you're in an alternate universe, Seattle. And next session, we're playing a one-shot of Shadowrun. But, you know, and then that the next session's even a whole new system. Mm -hmm. You just build those characters head. with that system's rules kind of thing? Yeah, yeah. Or, you know, yeah. go ahead and do the work yourself and give them out. And then it's a it's kind of a one-shot, and, and then by the end of it, if, if, you've, if you're successful, everything will be set right, and you get to travel, you know, back to the Enterprise or, or whatever, <laughs> you know. Uh, certain systems work really well with that, I would think. Mm -hmm. Like uh, one of the things we talked about when we were talking up uh, Dungeon Crawl Classics and Mutant Crawl Classics is both of them can very much genre bend, but if you mash the two of those together, you've got the classic Jack Kirby comic Commandy, and you basically <laughs> have Masters of the Universe. Yeah. Which is fantasy and science fiction. That's It's what that is. Yeah, the, the only other thing I can think of is the the old DMG on the back of it. It had the conversions for uh, it was Gamma World and it was uh, yeah. Boot Hill. I don't remember if Gangbusters was in there or not, but it had like different equipment from those systems and how they would convert to uh, AD&D mm -hmm. terms. And I remember as a kid just like 
fudging that kind of stuff all the time, being like, oh, and uh, locked in this wizard's chest, you find a laser pistol, and then you had this laser pistol going through your games, blowing everything up. Uh, but it wasn't too much worse than playing Barrier Peaks, I don't think. So. Yeah, that's uh, well, the Expedition of the Barrier Peaks. Now there's a there's a genre bender as well. Which, by the way, I got my copy of uh, oh, Occurrence at Howling Crater, uh, which is the uh, Planet X Games release. It's kind of it's a, it's sort of an homage to Barrier Peaks, and uh, oh man, I'm in love with that game. Uh, it's uh, mm. it's everything in a in a bag of peanuts. I mean, it, uh, it it's got the Barrier Peaks thing where this the spaceships crashed in this medieval society, but then like the, the spaceship has like changed the people that live nearby, and so they're like this mutated like cannibalistic tribe, and there's it just has so much going on on it. It's it's pretty cool. I'm I'm dying to play it. All right. But anyhow, sorry. Got Sounds like me. fun. <laughs> All right. Okay. If, uh, if we're satisfied with that, I guess we will move on to tonight's event here. Yeah. All right. Yeah. This old dungeon. You're only supposed to blow the bloody doors off. Alright, for this old dungeon, we are taking on Q1, Queen of the Demon Web Pits. What do you guys think it's, of it? <laughs> uh, I think it's it's like the cool adventure that everyone loves to hate. Yeah. <laughs> uh, because it sounds really cool, but once you start diving into it, <laughs> you're like, oh my goodness, this is... Uh, you know what? This is an adventure to challenge yourself as a dungeon master. <laughs> this is this is like graduate level DMing. Yes, 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 and yes. <laughs> yeah. So this, uh, I, I mean, even the name Queen of the Demon Web Pits. I mean, I, I, this, this was one of the first modules I bought. Maybe <laughs> like, maybe it was number six out of all the D and D stuff I ever owned. And just the name alone, I I didn't even look at like what level it was going to take to play it. I didn't, you know, it's just the name alone. I was like, man, that sounds like some badass stuff. <laughs> uh, but it is, uh, man, you, you're you're right. I mean, if uh, you're not you're not playing this uh, on your first try of DMing, that's for sure. Yeah, it's. Um... Yeah, yeah, that, that, that's well, exactly. It, it does have a caution, you know. It says it, you know, experience players only, please. Is what it, you know, there's a caution. There's literally a, a caution. A disclaimer. Yeah. Yeah, there is a disclaimer but, in there. But, but to, to my twelve-year-old uh, self, man, that was like the parental advisory lyric thing on a record. You know, it's like, oh yeah, this <laughs> is just right for me then. You know. Yeah. Right. Uh, real quick, uh, we always like to do the back history on these. I don't know if you guys got much. Um, I got a little a bit. A little bit. I got a little bit. Let's see if we can piece it together between the two of us. All right. Uh, you want to go first? Well, um, the one thing I know is this was kind of Gary's idea, and then it got pretty much taken away from him. Uh, it started as a Gary Gagax idea, and then uh, one of the Bloom brothers uh, who were in charge of uh, TSR at the time actually took the, I want to say actually took the idea away from him and the guy they gave it to had to write it based on Gary's notes which I would not want to write notes write something on Gary's notes because it's 
it's well known he didn't, you know, if he was writing the adventure, he could write a note that was two words and it spelled a paragraph to him, but to someone else. Yeah, yeah, he knew what he was talking about. Now, see, I've got an alternate history on this, and I'm not saying mine's right and yours is wrong. This is just just a different I, tale a of the tale, you know. Uh, yeah, go for so the the version that that I heard and it kind of matches up with with some of what's in the the front of the module was that uh, so Gary set out to write this you know, like it was you know basically after after giants and and uh, descent into the depths and all that he's like well okay I you know I've been teasing this along long enough I gotta I gotta come up with something so you know we're gonna have him deal with this spider chick you know who is she what is she and as he started writing the story. He realized that it was like identical to the campaign version that he had played of Temple of Elemental Evil that, that he would you know worked out and ran for his players. So, I think that's part of the backstory of what I mentioned, but yeah, keep going. So yeah, so he's like, yeah. well, you know, crap, you know, I can't, I can't sell the same game twice. And uh, then it was uh, the artist David Sutherland, uh, the, the guy that did the Ravenloft maps and the, the isometric stuff. Uh, Paladin and Hell is another famous piece from him. So he had come up to Gary about the same time saying, hey, you know, I worked out this really kind of cool dungeon with all these, you know, neat trappings to it. And Gary's like, hey, hmm, yeah, that would work. Here, you, you, you write this. <laughs> and so he kind of was given almost carte blanche on how to, you know, wrap the, the series up with the, uh, the Queen of the Demon Web Pits. Yeah, I think it's kind of your version and my version, or they kind of dovetail into each other. Uh you know, it's like it wasn't going well for him. And then I think uh, here I, I pulled up some notes. This is a blog called DMDavid.com, uh, but they're having some trouble with it. Uh, but Gary wrote uh, that the adventure was, quote, taken out of my hands by TSR executive Brian Bloom when Sutherland uh, discovered a demon web pattern, apparently in a hand towel, <laughs> and tucked Brian into using it as the main theme for the concluding module. I had no creative control over it. So it sounds like it's a little bit of both. He was having some trouble with it, realized it was crap. Sutherland came up with a solution, and it sounds like Bloom said, yeah, do that. <laughs> you know? Yeah, huh. Well, and it, you know, it it was published in uh, 1980, so that's about the time that we start yeah. seeing Gary go out west and be kind of dissolved from the actual RP side of things with the uh, yeah. D&D. Yeah, so it's, uh, yeah, that's what it sounds like. It was kind of a, not a hot mess, but it was definitely a mess, and it didn't <laughs> really, I think part of what they're running into is they didn't quite have a gimmick to make it work, and it was so much like Temple of Elemental League. Mm-hmm. Well, and that's. And then, I was no, just going to say, say that, then Sutherland came up with the <laughs> demon webs, yeah. and yeah, uh-huh. and that became the hook. When you definitely, as you read it, you can you can sense that this is something that was you know put forth from a creative mind because there there's just a lot of jarring pieces that are put together in an interesting way, <laughs> but not necessarily like a a logical way. You know what I mean? It's kind of like looking at abstract yeah. art almost. You know, it's like. Wow, that's really interesting, but I can't really tell what I'm looking at. <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess that's a way to think about it. Sure. Well, yeah, because <laughs> it's yeah, it's uh, it's no, kind I of all over think the about place. It that way. I mean, you know, it is kind of all over the place, though. So, uh, how how do we want to do this? We want to kind of walk through because the 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 module kind of has stages to it. Like you, you kind of encounter right. certain things, and then the next set of things. Do we want to go through it kind of like? From the beginning of the module to the end, you know, just 
briefly, or do we want to yeah, just jump like, around? Kind of. I think to give this some structure, we should go through the module. You know, not page by page, but section by section, definitely. Because right. otherwise, if we're if we're jumping around all over the place, you know. Yeah. So coming also, off, go ahead. Oh, go ahead. I was just going to say in the in the previewy part, you know, I think it's interesting how it says clerical spells and druidical spells. <laughs> I found that to be interesting because you know the magic in here is different, apparently. Yeah. So it was very specific about how the magic was being used. Yeah. Well, that's. That's almost the first bit. So this is what part seven technically of a series. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And one of the things I wanted to point out is if you read through the original Giant series and the Drow series, um, there's almost no groundwork being laid for this. I mean, the the very most you get is oh, it seems like somebody mysterious is behind these you know issues we're having with these monstrous races, and then in the very last one. They find a temple to Loth with like a oh it's got like a urn that's giving off smoke and an image of her on a wall and that's like the first time the characters really know anything about her I mean there, there's some mention of her back in the and I forget the city's name but the city of the Drow um, but like you know this is not led up to very well like they have no idea what they're getting into or who they're going to be fighting or anything like that. I, I describe it the way I would uh, take it is like if you're watching the Star Wars movies and then you wait until Return of the Jedi to introduce Darth Vader. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> That's the only way I can describe it. It's like, yep, there's a bad guy. Okay. Trust us, he's really bad. He's really, really bad. We'll tell but, you about yeah. him in a moment. Yeah. <laughs> Don't and, mind you know, the guy behind the green curtain. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But yeah, and it... it I was just going to say, in, in the link from those adventures to this is, is literally the characters jumping through the steam or, or whatever it is, uh, and then they're transported. It's not like – and it's, the steam goes away if they don't do it like right then, so it's not like they have a chance to come back. It's like they got to make a momentary choice to jump into one of the levels of the abyss, not knowing that they're jumping into one of the levels of the abyss uh, to fight a demon queen that they have no backstory on. Yeah, it's like they – they did, you know, they they were just making this thing up as they went along. They didn't have like an outline of what was going on. They just made it up and went and hoped that, you know, hoped that it stuck. Mm-hmm. And yeah, so it was it was all over the place. But yeah, it started with what was it? Uh, we have uh, the dungeon modules G one, two, and three, which became all of Hall of the Fire Giant King. It became Descent into the Depths of the Earth, which was D1 and 2, and then, uh, was that it? Yeah. And then, uh, Vault of the Drow. Yeah. Right. And then, then Queen of the Demon Web Pits. It was, you know. Yeah. And, and the, what's uh, interesting is you're not just going into another adventure. You don't know it at the time. You're going to another plane of existence. You're going into one of almost like one of the levels of hell sort yes. of thing. Well, and, and the other thing to consider when you're, when you're reading through this one is that, those other adventures, those came out like almost three years before this one did. Yeah. So for three years as a game master, like, oh, we'll get back to that adventure. We'll, you know, we'll conclude it at some point here. So, I mean, that's kind of rough there, you know, to, to be left in the lurch a little bit. Yeah. Um, I'm just laughing at the platinum egg. What the heck? <laughs> yeah. Okay. That's the, the other thing, egg. too. Yeah. 
they get this egg that has all these <laughs> weird things in it, like a crystal and a triangular metal uh, pyramid thing, and and they're all important, but they. And I don't know. It could be the fact that I it's just lost on me. Maybe these have, like, real-world significances that I don't understand. But they just seem like random magic-y looking items <laughs> that are locked away in this egg that's, you know, you got to cast certain spells on to, to unlock it. And without those, you don't get to magically go from one spot to the other as you go through this beginning part of this adventure. Well, they, yeah. they put so much in that egg that if the players don't get it, you might as well not play the adventure because you're going to have to give them a workaround or you're mm-hmm. going to have to, you know, don't paint like, like Briggy said, pay no attention to the man behind the curtain because <laughs> you're going to have to, you know, it's kind of like in a good adventure. If you have, um, if the, if the party is supposed to go to one city and encounter a person, but they skip that city and go to a completely different one, guess what? Take your encounters from that city and put them in the other one. Yeah. Right. Right. That way, you know, that way your your game is flexible, and uh, as I've heard it said recently, uh, games aren't railroads, but they are a destination with sidetracks along the way. Mm-hmm. And if you don't get this egg thing, you don't get the adventure. Too much is tied up into it. Well, yeah, yeah the the teleportation keys to the rooms. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I guess those are the ways to get into the different rooms of the web. Yeah. Well, okay. So since we're doing that, uh, before we get too far into that. Because we have the egg. Um, can we just talk about the spell alterations? <laughs> oh, my God. Because really, we they can crazy. pretty much stop right here. This is where I say <laughs> that this is a graduate class in DMing because there is so much to keep track of. <laughs> because you're hard. on a different plane of existence. Magic works differently. Physics would work differently if that really played into it. But, you know. The cl- clerical and druidical, now suddenly druidical is <laughs> yes, a word. Uh, yeah, I think technically all you really had to say was druid spells. Um, but anyway, it's almost like every spell that you would cast has something a little different about it. Yeah. It either works even, it works differently, doesn't work at all. Maybe it works more powerfully, not often. It's um, almost like they needed, you know how like uh, Tomb of Horrors had the little player booklet of pictures? It's like they need yeah. to make spell booklets like that that you could just pass out. Okay, wizard, here's how your spells are going to work. Cleric, here's yours. Druid, there you go. There's your Judaical, Judaical, Judeo Christian spells. I don't know. <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, and, and they did the same thing in the Expedition of the Barrier Peaks. You're mm-hmm. describing things, and there's an extra booklet just with the pictures of the robots in it. Well, I mean, yeah, I um, better but yeah. says higher level spills may not be recovered by clerics in the web. Y- yeah, uh, they, oh, the only the only ones they recover are second level or lower because they're yep. not like they, they they consider them to not be specifically ordained by or or handed out by their gods. Which I mean, that makes sense. It's kind of you know, it's it's you're you're removed from the plane that yeah. your god is on. But but to keep right. track of that and the, and what that does to mm-hmm. a cleric. I mean, you talk about screwing over a cleric, because back then you couldn't substitute spells. You couldn't be like, well, I'll give up a third-level spell for a second-level spell. They didn't, I mean, that wasn't canon back then. Right. Yeah. But yeah, there's, what is it, four pages Like, how of would you remember all that crap? That's what I want, you know, like, yeah. I wouldn't, mm, Well, it I would definitely, I mean, you'd have to front-load that. You would have to be like, okay, you know, I've writ- written a list of your spells and how they now will function during this part of the game. And there's just no other way. I mean, it'd be too chaotic. Yeah, um, I'm looking at. I actually I have it up on a PDF <laughs> on my tablet, and there's so uh, 
There's a lot. <laughs> yeah, there, four there pages. There is a lot. Yeah. Yeah. And that, each... Now there was one that was kind of cool that I saw. Um, so the spell Spirit Rack, which honestly I had never even heard of until I read this module. I, I'm sure it always existed. I just never had taken it as a spell. Never probably been high enough to. Um, both meanings of that word. Anyhow, uh, so it, it, that apparently that's some sort of spell that allows you to uh, like maybe capture or uh, direct demons and things like that. And it says here that it won't work because because uh, Loth is not the true name of this demon. <laughs> right. So I, I mean, I'm not it, sure what that means. So you know, I, I assume it means like you know, in, in ancient times, like knowing someone's name quote-unquote, gave you, like, power over them. You know, that's why, right. like, the, the god of the Jews, uh, his name translates to I am who am. Because <laughs> uh, he didn't, you know, he wasn't like the other gods at that time where, oh, you can invoke my name and I'll give you power or whatever. But So I assume it kind of ties in with that idea, this spell, anyhow. So I guess they said, well, you know, the, if they know her name's Loth, then they'll be able to cast this spell and, and force her to do things. So uh, it's, that's not her real name. That's just what she goes by, <laughs> you know, which is fine. Right. But uh, I think if you're going to do that, then you got to give them some chance to find out her true name. You know, drop yes, some some hints saying, or something like, on the web going up to the, the final battle. Or create like a little... Um... Like a little game or something yeah. to figure it out, or or even if get you out did the Ouija board, you know, I don't know, something. whole rumble sisk and kind of thing. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. But yeah, it's it's a wreck as far as uh, I mean, magic users and and any spell users, man, they just they they walk into the game and get their knees uh, cut out from under them right away. Right. Yeah. But yeah, so the spells, I'm like that alone is like, well, there's a headache. You almost want. I, I, you know how we would change things. I would almost give it a mechanic of okay, when they cast a spell, you're going to roll a dice and consult this chart, mm-hmm. you know, or have Wild them make a kind of thing, right? Or have them make an intelligence check or concentration, whichever version of the game you're playing. And, you know, if you succeed, it works. If you don't, it works, but it doesn't work as well, or or mm. if you know whatever. It, it, um, in David's like defense. Okay. Sorry. Yeah. Um, in, in his defense, I will say that, like, you know, a lot of times when they do this in D and D, it's it's simply to make it so that you can't instantly defeat the bad guy. And, and there's very few alterations that are about that in here. Most of them are sensible, like, oh, well, you know, you're cut off from the uh, elemental planes and the astral plane, and so these spells that require elementals and these spells that require astral movement or whatever, they they, they no longer work. So I, I kind of, you know, I can defend them that way. That, you know, it, it makes sense why they're not working for the most part. But, man, yeah. <laughs> well, you could have simplified that and just, you know, had a thing. Anything that has to do with dimensional or teleportation. Mm-hmm. Will have this kind of effect. Or will not work in the exact same way. Blah, yeah. blah, blah. You know, any kind of evocation you're going to, you know, summon monster is not going to work. Then then just don't, or it's going to work differently. Mm-hmm. Um, well, it kind whatever. of goes back but, to your, what you were saying about the aesthetic with the combat charts. It is, you know, it's the difference between having here is my dictionary of spells and how they're going to work versus, you know, here is a formula for what to do when you know these kind of spells are cast. Well, yeah, yeah. So then they get to the web. What do you guys think of the web? Um, well, I thought it was very interesting, and I had never known this, but apparently, yeah, he got the idea. There was a <laughs> lot of different. Um, versions of that, but apparently it's it's a design, and when you look at it, it makes sense. It's a 
design off of a napkin, they said. Like, well, it was an embroidery design or something mm. is what I'm thinking. Because when you look at it, it almost yep. looks like if you look, if you're looking at the, um, I have the PDF. Ricky has the, my actual module downstairs yes. with her. But you're looking at it, it almost looks like a Celtic knot. That's it exactly does. what I was going to say. Yeah. It kind of does. Yeah, that's exactly what I'm looking at. Is it looks like a Celtic knot. Now, in my head, I can get the idea and say, well, like this pink line, uh, I'm following this and I can follow it no problem. But, it, you know, am I crawling? You know, and in my head, I always adapt things. Am I crawling on the inside of a web, like a dimensional web, or am I crawling on the outside right. of a web, or these well, just tunnels, you know? Because yeah, I'm going to take things and I'm going to add my own spin to it. Uh-huh. Yeah, because the, the, the module itself presents it as these are. These are like extra planar uh, flat surfaces that just kind of extend on for great distances, and they're surrounded by a void uh, of filled with like noxious smoke. And um, I don't and know what to think cool. of that. Yeah, it's 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 me, not very yeah. demon webby though. It, yeah, see that's that's my my trade off. It's like on the one hand that's not what I would expect. You know, I'm wanting like these real like organic sinewy things that we're crawling around on. That's right. what I expect. But on the other you hand, it's kind of cool. Creepy. Yeah. It's kind of cool to have something that's that's unexpected. That's kind of got that like uh, time bandits, uh, Tron sort of feel oh, to it. There you go, time yeah. bandits. Yeah, yeah. No, I get that, and that makes a lot of sense because even I think that came out not too long after this. So yeah, but um, but yeah, it's the it's it's really kind of crazy. I mean, and there's levels to it. First level's green, and pink is the next, and yeah, white. white. Yeah. Yeah. And orange is the final. Yeah. Um, it, it's kind of weird that like there's some random monsters walking around on this, but it's not a, not a, like a habitat. So and they're not like some of the monsters walking around. I mean, I guess they're put there as guardians, but I just can't imagine too many people make it into this level of the abyss to make it worth the while for these creatures to be running around it. Uh, well, some of them don't exactly make a whole lot of sense, too. I, I kind of wonder if the if the creatures wandered onto it because they wandered onto it from different planes and they got stuck there, you mm-hmm. know. These, and once they wandered in there, they kind of got stuck in there. Yeah, I guess that could make sense. Yeah. But I'm adding that to it, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and then so, okay. ever so often along these paths, there's a doorway. Not like a room, but just like a doorway. And you open the doorway, and it opens into a room that you can't really see from the outside. Which again, is kind of a cool thing. It's it's not what I would have thought would have been there, but you know, this difference, you know, psychedelic. It's the sort of thing you would do if you were trying to make a, a movie and didn't have a budget. <laughs> yes. <laughs> a lot of you smoke. Know, oh, a lot of smoke. Yeah, a lot of smoke. A lot of smoke. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's like a D and D. D&D module as uh, DM'd by Roger Corman. Um. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I always like the, the statement that he is the, uh, I'm trying to think of the word that they always use. Uh, he, he, he's the director that, that has, uh, by percentage, made the most money in Hollywood. Like, like uh, the amount he spends on his films for what they gross, he's the highest, highest by percent grossing director of Hollywood. Oh, yeah, yeah. If if you spend you know a buck on your movie, and you know you make a buck, you make two bucks. Well, okay, you've made a hundred percent profit. You know, mm-hmm. 
which is kind of what he does. But anyway, yeah, and so, and it's not, that's not a, I'm not trying to uh, take a crap on his ideas or anything. Well, I just, he's known I, for I what he's known different. for, right? I mean, that's how he's no, made I meant in the, yeah. I meant the module. Oh, the module, oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, no, well, you know, Roger Corman it... makes no apologies <laughs> about what he does. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think at its time, I mean, I, you yeah, know, it's... this is sort of like, like we look at it, and I think we're thinking, oh, this looks like some really cheap, you know, early... 80s late 70s kind of stuff from the movies but but at its time i mean maybe this was pretty original and it was you know interesting and engaging of its own i mean it is to me anyhow a little bit i mean well okay say what you will this thing is dense with information oh yeah there's a lot there's here to go so through. much we're, going on we're, we're you know we're joking about the spells and stuff someone did the work it yeah. is in depth yes you know it is uh i mean just have, I, I would a almost lot do, going on in this. I would almost have each level could almost be a, a session of a game by itself because mm-hmm. there's so much to cover and just depending on how it goes and how the you know what the players do and don't do and what the you know how fickle are the dice that night mm-hmm. you know uh, um, but I mean you know say what you will this thing is packed full of stuff if you want to just take. You know, because you mentioned you've used the ship in this, in your own like Spelljammer games and stuff. Well, I'm looking at this and you know, like look at Web Level One. Uh, you know, you could take Web Level One, pull it completely out of the Demon Web. You could just run it as an encounter in a ruin somewhere. It's just packed full of so much mm-hmm. uh, stuff for you to use. Well, and, and the rooms are interesting. Like the the fourth level is kind of its own thing. It, it gets into some different stuff, but the first three levels. Uh, they all have, I don't know, a dozen rooms or so, and you open them, and it's like each room's its own little challenge, and uh, I, I, it's, it's different. It's, it reminds me a lot of the third edition and some of the fourth edition stuff where the modules were laid out as encounters, like, okay, here's the map, here's the strategies that are going to be used, and you know, here's where the players start, and that kind of thing. It's kind of sandboxy like that. However you want to do it is how you do it, but yeah. But I also found it weird what you run into, because you run into a lot of, like, mundane monsters, but just, you know, by the fistful, mm-hmm. you know, like, 66 gnolls and three minotaurs, you know. And, you know, it's funny, you just yeah. mentioned that, and I have the uh, the chart on page 14 of this, like, in uh, Lolf's Forest, when you get there, you could encounter three to 30 bugbears. <laughs> Yeah. There's no in, but you know, so you're gonna like, roll three d ten and see what happens. Ten to sixteen ols. Roll a d six and times ten. You could, you know, this is like some Battle of Helm's Deep type stuff going yeah. on here. Right. Some real, like two to twenty ogres. Are you feeling lucky? I mean, but then again, you are a higher level character at this point. Well, you hope so anyway. Cause <laughs> yeah. Well, if you jump over, yeah, you yeah. better be, because man, you are screwed if you are not. Yeah. Well, and you're looking at a level 10 to 14 then would probably be like a level 15 or 20 now in modern third edition, fourth, well, fourth, let's not talk about that. <laughs> third yeah, or fifth edition. D and D, like a ten to fourteen would almost be like a twentieth level character. Now this is some. Not only is this a graduate level for DMs, this is the sort of thing where Gygax would talk about your skill as a role player, 
And he would. He would talk about that. You can be a skillful role player. Yeah. You know, how well do you know your character? Do you know the rules? Do you, can you be creative with the spells? Well, you better be creative with the spells because they ain't going to work like you expect. <laughs> well, it, it, the one thing I got to say that I don't like is this idea that there's this endless numbers of henchmen hanging around in these rooms for all eternity waiting for someone who happened to somehow get into the abyss and is wandering <laughs> through the web you know i mean like what, what a poor use of yes, manpower we've been waiting for you well oh, it would make sense if it was like yeah just you know that's that is like some uh that's like some uh dungeon design when you're a kid you know uh-huh. uh goodman games in the in their book you know how to write playing games that don't suck <laughs> you know they talk and we've had conversations about this where you know a dungeon or a castle should be laid out in a way that makes sense mm-hmm. you know all right we have this huge castle and we have all these barracks and we have all these this armory and we have this dungeon and stuff but there's there's no kitchen anywhere <laughs> you know there, there wasn't that sense to the design of the system if this you know i get it it's on another plane of existence different rules and uh, it's almost like you're in a dreamscape and if you were in a dreamscape it would make a lot more sense you could have an almost infinite number of ogres coming after you Mm -hmm. and they wouldn't necessarily have to make sense that's true And, and i think you know as a game master that would be one of the things i would do is not presented as oh these guys have been waiting for you but you know you open the door and all of a sudden you get to like you know, uh, transporter field sort of thing, where it's like, zoop, 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 all these, you know, minions suddenly warp into the room and make it even more psychedelic, I guess. Right. Or as the fog lifts, you see, whatever, you know, you can hear it. Yeah, I I agree. That's all I have to say (laughs) about that. uh... And then you get to some of these rooms, and and like Briggy was saying, if you have these weird objects from this egg, for whatever reason, without even having to do anything with them, then you teleport. <laughs> yeah. And like each room has to have a different one, but there's no rhyme or reason. There's no connection to it. It's not like you see right. a, a pyramid-shaped indention or anything like that. It's just, hey, you got the pyramid? All right, boom, you're in another room now. And it kind of looks like you have some helper people, but you don't know if they're helper people, like mm-hmm. the NPCs, right? Mm-hmm. So... Well, like that... Uh, well, I can't... from what... I was going to say, from what I understand... Literally everything you meet in the Demon Web Pits, every single little thing is evil. In fact, when you go to the spell part and it's, uh, you're looking up how different spells work and stuff like that, um, which spell is it? It's not detect. Uh, okay, well, like detect magic. Here it is. It's everything, right yeah. above it. Magic user spells. Detect evil. The entire abyss is evil. One part is not detectable as more evil than any other. And then right under it is detect magic. The entire web will radiate equally potent magic. In areas, uh, in other areas, the spells function normally. So, it, it yeah, there you go. Now, now, I will say there are a couple uh, lost good characters in it. Like, I was about to bring right. up, uh, there's that, I think he's a ranger maybe, uh, with the werewolves. Do you remember that one? Tros. Tros, yes, yes. Yeah, because it says that he's got quite a bit of money in, in three um, spells, which are serious cure wounds, and a crystal ball. So if you ask him to join the party, he will, like, help you. Yeah. But, but like, 
And he's you got know, these he like beautiful women in a cage. Yeah. And, and he's like, no, no, don't let him go. They're evil. And they're all like, let us go. He's the one that's evil. You know, that whole thing. Yeah. But, uh, and, and it's like, okay, so how did he get in here? And uh, why did he build the cage inside Loth's own rooms? You know, <laughs> like. I uh, guess it would be for like another. I mean, not that the the GM doesn't have enough to do with this whole entire adventure, but I guess it would be up to, up to, you know, the person running this to like create some backstory yeah. or something. Yeah. Good, good game masters. That's what they do. I get it. But it just, man, it just, it just seems a little bit of a reach to find something like that in the middle of a incredibly evil place, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, it, it, did you guys, did it make you guys laugh to see like the, the it's, you know, it's classic, old school D&D modules, they like list out everything of any particular value at all in every room, you know, you know, like, uh, oh, and, uh, you know, in the corner, you will find a gold plated toothbrush worth, you know, 10 silver pieces. It, it's oh like, yeah, you know, if you if you toss the cushion, if you toss the cushions <laughs> and the couch in this area, you'll find three copper pieces. Yeah. Yes. And it's like at this level, with these these players going against what they're going for, what Who do cares? they care? I mean, I, I yeah. get it; they get experience points for gold and all that. But man, if you're stopping to shake a guy down for some copper, man, oh geez. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, you know, you talk about you know the, the characters and stuff. Uh, I would like to mention that one thing that this did was bring in some. There was uh, the new monster section. Oh yeah. Uh, introduced some uh, monsters that have now become kind of iconic D and D monsters. The Drider, which is more or less like a centaur, but it's a spider. It's a dude with a spider's body. Um, and then we have a let's see the Yoklol. Handmaiden of Loth, it's kind of a Lovecraftian sort of thing. Yeah, it reminds me a lot of like um, a goopy roper that can turn into gas. Yeah, um, and then of course Loth herself. Now, see, my favorites were all the pseudo spiders. They're like Petapods oh, yeah. and the, the Whip Scorpions. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I, so, like, I've, I've actually owned some cool. of they these have... as pets. And, uh, oh, really? Yeah, they're, they're the wickedest looking uh, creatures on Earth, but almost all of them in real life are completely harmless. <laughs> But, it's uh, like tarantulas. Tarantulas uh, are like incredibly docile. Yeah. You know, and we could always ask Ed if we want to know for the <laughs> details. You yes. know, he has a degree in entomology, but. But uh, yeah, I've always liked to throw those in games, uh, just because you know giant spiders. Players kind of know what they're dealing with, but then you describe one of these things or show them the picture, and they're like, eh, I don't really know what that thing can do." You know, kind of looks like a spider, right. kind of looks like a crab, sort of like a scorpion. Hey. But yeah, so the web, yeah. uh, getting back to it, um, you know, you eventually, after a lot of wondering and going through a lot of uh, doorways, you get to the fourth level, and then things kind of change. Unless, I mean, do you guys have anything more on the lower levels of the web? No, I would just like to say I think Queen of the Demon Web Pits is almost like being in an Ikea. <laughs> <laughs> You finally get to the Swedish meatballs and everything goes wrong. (laughs) But yeah, the more I look at it, I'm like, that just came to me. I'm like, you know, this is like queen of the Ikea pits here. (laughs) And you get out of there and you just don't know where you parked, so it's all for naught. Yeah. You know, I have this theory that all IKEA are like certain particles of physics. One IKEA is the same IKEA at any other place in the world. <laughs> There's a black dragon in this too. Holy guacamole! Yeah. And it could be one or two. I mean, really? Why not? Okay. Sure. 
There, there's some really uh, half a dozen. I mean, what the heck? Yeah, there's, there's some really horse. devious traps in it. Yeah. I mean, it, you know, I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. If you like traps, I mean, I I kind of do, but I get you know that not it. That's not everybody's bag, but there's like that one with the uh, big magnet on the wall that all the anyone in armor gets like sucked to, and meanwhile the the uh, bugbears that are all wearing like wooden armor and have like bone clubs are just beating the crap out of them while they're stuck to it. <laughs> some good ones like that. I gotta say, I, I, you're mentioning that. Um, I'm loving the art in this, though. I, yeah, I gotta the art's go nice. Off. I'm flipping through, and it's because we also love Dungeon Crawl Classic so, so much. Um, but it's just so good. I yeah, well, it's got it. a lot. Sorry, I mean, I'm uh, Sutherland. Rabbit trail. Yeah, Sutherland did a lot of the art that's in it, and then uh, Rosloff uh, has a lot in here. Um, Which Rosloff now does stuff for Goodman Games. Yeah. Or did did he pass? Or one of the classic uh, guys did some stuff for them and well, I know Holloway passed. I, he had done that some was it. Yeah. yeah, he was my favorite too, man. Yeah, but anyway, I love the uh, I love the art in this. Um, I'm sorry, I'm going off on a little no, bit of fine. a tangent there. What else is um, there? And then they have yeah. weird <laughs> random things going on that you can roll for, I guess. Random changes? Uh, that's well, when they get random... to the, the spider, I think. Are you talking yeah. about like, the items changing? Yeah. Uh, well, I guess it's items. It's on page 19. Um, it says, due to the great energies yeah, involved. Yeah, in the spider there. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so the before, spider before we get there, one, one more moment on the web, because uh, sure. the, the three levels are all pretty identical as far as the kinds of things you encounter. But on the fourth level, they kind of up the ante. And instead of it opening up into, like, little rooms with traps and that sort of thing in them, like, you go to whole other worlds. Right. So, uh, and, and that to me was kind of fascinating and also a reason why, you know, you're not doing this as a, you know, your first time out DMing because you now have a multitude of adventures that you're going to run possibly off of this one before they even get to the end of this one. You know, and if you do it right, they could end up going through one of those and not come back. Yeah, they go on to a whole other, right, a uh, whole other plane and a whole other set of adventures, and they, ever, they never even get back to the yeah. uh, demon webs. And you know how players are. <laughs> mm-hmm. The, the, the one that I thought, I mean, they've got the one where there's like this whole battle going on that that Loth's army is trying to siege this land. That was kind of cool, but then uh, the vampire one. Uh, I really I looked at it and I'm like you know this is kind of almost like you know like a pseudo Ravenloft kind of scenario mm. uh, the night world well, of Vald Tolkov Tolkienkov yes yeah Vlad Tolkien Vlad Tolkienkov Tolkienkov yes Tolkienkov but even the well, castle you know what? yeah oh yeah I love that castle you you know what you could also just retcon that and have it be mm-hmm. one of the kingdoms of Ravenloft yeah. which. Wizards is now bringing that back. I have the original box set downstairs, and now they're coming out with a new version of it. Huh. Yeah, Kingdoms of Ravenloft is coming back. back. People, you know, they can't get enough of Ravenloft. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, it's one of my faves. Um, but yeah, the, the castle, um, they've got a, a real quick sketch of a castle here, and, and looking at it, I'm like, it, it kind of reminds me of Castle Ravenloft. It's got that more like mm. uh, Renaissance era sort of look to it, more Eastern than than uh, you know British. Uh, but yeah, mm-hmm. in Sutherland's the one yes. that, that drew Castle Ravenloft too. So hmm. uh, I don't know. I mean, I know that that Hickman's the one that you know came up with it, but I wonder you know his original versus what ended up being 
the Castle Ravenloft. I wonder, you know, how much Sutherland influenced that, or whether it was, you know, all the time Hickman or what. Yeah, I think what it was was, uh, I'm, I'm sure Hickman had, you know, the really detailed maps of it and stuff like that, but then Sutherland took that and just, you know, mm-hmm. turned it into what we got. But yeah, I, I really, um, I really think I would just retcon that right into being part of Ravenloft. Hell, they might have, and I just don't know it. Yeah. Well, and that that would be the thing is, as a game master, just kind of go through and say, well, you know, I don't have time to come up with every possibility for all these doorways, so I'm just going to say, you know, this one leads to this adventure that I already have, and this one leads to that adventure that I already have, and, you know, just somehow tie it back to Loth in some way. Yeah. So now we get to... Uh, we've gone through all these levels. We've got, you know, uh, everything else. But then we get to the spider ship of Lolth. <laughs> oh man, I, this this blew my mind when I when I took the shrink wrap off of this as a twelve year old or whatever I was and uh, flipped it open. I'm like, that looks like a spaceship or something. That's you know, what the hell is this? This is supposed to be like a castle or. And I was like, oh wow, that's really cool. And then uh, you know, a few years later, they come out with Spelljammer and. Uh, that's actually the only time I've played this module, and only that part of the module is in Spelljammer. I used it as a ship flying out in the ether there, and uh, the, the characters encountered it and tried to board it and all that. But, but yeah, that's that's a whole new thing. I mean, you know, I, I can't think of anything that was. I mean, Temple of the Frog kind of got a little bit into that sort of idea of having a spaceship in in uh, a fantasy setting, but uh, this was just a whole other thing to me back then, anyhow. Yeah. Well, Lisa well, mentions the cube out of the egg. I didn't see the other keys in any of this, but in this one it says you use the blue crystal cube. Oh, for the doors, yeah. Mm-hmm. That's right. Well, I thought the other cool thing, and I didn't pick up on this when I ran it as a kid, but uh, it talks about how like it's not really made out of metal. It's made out of like this chaos fabric, and if you stare into it, you can see like the faces of the souls being tortured in the abyss. I thought that was kind of cool, Hellraiser-ish kind of thing. <laughs> So, okay, so when you've used it, when you took the the spider ship out of this and used it, and this was a long time ago, yeah. I'm sure, how did that go? Since that is the one part of it that that has been played out of everyone yeah, talking Yeah, so, about. you know, I, I, can't, I can't really say because, you know, this was, I, I want to say when I did that, I was maybe a freshman in high school, so I still pretty, like, you know, seat of the pants kind of game mastering and, Oh, you know, we're you know everybody gets a magic weapon every time we find a treasure, kind of thing. Uh, so right. I I don't know, and we I don't recall them defeating Loth. Um, I do recall a lot of the fights in the insides of it with like the giants and the uh, um, oh the succubi and all that. But I mean, there's a lot of it I'm looking at now that I don't remember putting in place. So I don't know if, you know, <laughs> as a kid, I rarely read anything fully, you know. So I might have like just totally skipped over sections. Like, you know, there's the, there's multiple places in this spider ship where anyone that walks through uh, has a dispel magic cast on everything they own. <laughs> and I know I didn't do that when I ran it because that would have f somebody over bad. I mean, hard time. <laughs> right. Yeah, that that almost seems unfair. Yeah. Yeah. Well, especially since you can't sense. detect magic. I mean, it, it basically says, "Hey, the whole thing's magic." You know. Yeah. And there's, it's not like you see glyphs written on the ground or see anything that would 
indicate to a player that, oh, you know, this area looks like it's, you know, got some magical thing going on in it at all. But it's just, a, you know, this particular square, if you happen to stand in it, boom, all your magic items are shot now. Yeah, I mean, there's some saving throws involved, if I remember right, but... Yeah, that's harsh. And then, uh, Brady, you were the... talking about... Oh, go ahead. Yeah, the random change. Yeah. I was just about to bring that up again. That looks like it's kind of funny, and it reminds me of the Dungeon Crawl Classic stuff. <laughs> yeah. It does. Like, you could roll something, and, oh, your instruments, your um, weapons now a musical instrument. <laughs> Yay. Or something like that. <laughs> 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 yeah, there's a laundry basket full of underwear. There's a musical instrument, seashells, ball of string, uh, doorknob. Snow begins falling. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the color's black, though. It's snow, but it's black snow. <laughs> now that's metal right there. Yeah. That's yeah. badass. <laughs> but yeah, that, uh, it, again, I mean, that's one more thing. You know, this, this uh, you know, master's level Game Master has to remember that when people pull something out, flip back to that chart, roll and see what it is. It's not what it was. Uh, which is cool, but yeah, man, a lot, lot of pressure on you. To remember. Yeah. Yeah. You'd well, almost want to just copy that down and keep it behind your screen. Mm -hmm. Ready to go at a moment's notice. If nothing more, just to remind yourself, oh yeah, you know, this is the thing. Exactly. So, okay. We want to talk about the Demon Queen herself. Sure. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so uh, one of the things I find very interesting about her is she is incredibly powerful, but also um, she is beatable. Um, we're looking at she's got 16 hit die, and the average they're given for it, uh, this would be back in the day when hit die were this, what, standard D8? Mm-hmm. Um, and it's got her hit her hit points listed as only 66. So so at first glance I thought the same thing. I was like, well, you know, that's that seems really low for a, you know, a minor god, you know, in the game. Uh, but have you looked at her at will powers? <laughs> um no. I yeah, so not. she can teleport at will. Uh, she can heal herself up to 3 times at will. Uh, she's got uh, what are some of these other ones? Uh, true seeing so you can't do any illusion stuff on her. Uh, well, it looks like her clerical and magic user spells all work. Yeah, yeah, hers do. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Uh, uh, once per round, she can cast confusion, so you can, you know, bad saving throws and you lose half your party right there. Um, dispel magic once per round at will. <laughs> Phase door twice per day. That's you know. Uh, but yeah, these. I mean, the fact that she can heal heal herself instantly, like full up back to sixty six, three times and teleport. Uh, I you know, w when we fought her as kids, she didn't know how to do that stuff. She's learned since then. Well, well then, <laughs> that's, that's the thing though too, is because you know if the dungeon master's not running her right, yeah, mm -hmm. they'll they'll. Basically, um. Because she's so powerful, you really don't stand much of a chance. I mean, yeah, these are high-level characters and stuff, but you don't stand much of a chance of probably beating her unless the Dungeon Master is throwing you a bone or the dice are fickle or they don't know how to run the character. Uh -huh. Well, the, the setup's pretty good, too. i got to say that because they, they have you face her sort of like right off the bat, but it's actually not her. It's a hologram of her that, that she's controlling through like a little hidden room. 
And then when you face her the next time in the, in the upper level, uh, it's kind of cool. She's got this like kind of center of this columned room that's full of sand, and it's actually quicksand. But because of her and her spiders having you know the uh, spider-like abilities to walk over things, she's fine on it. You go out there to attack her, all of a sudden you're sinking. And I thought that was kind of cool. The yeah. only thing I would like better is if they had like a little trapdoor spider pop up and pull you under. <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, you know the, the hit points did surprise me. It, it does seem beatable, but but like you said, man, if if somebody really thought things through ahead of time, and you'd have to do that, you'd have to be like, okay. You know, first couple rounds, these are the things I'm going to try to have her do. Next couple rounds, she's going to go to this kind of tactic. Uh, she's got the powers here and the spells that she shouldn't be able to be beaten. Yeah, and that's the thing. Um, pretty much, you, you're going to fight your way through this. If you survive, to get to a boss uh, on the boss level, that, as written, then would be pretty much unbeatable. Mm-hmm. So then what? How do you, you know counteract her plans to destroy your world or to take it over yeah i mean wh- where are you now yeah um the, the only thing i can think of and it, yeah. it, it doesn't push hard into this because one of the things you might ask yourself is why the hell does she need a mechanical spider you know and, and i still don't really get that but it alludes at the beginning here that this is some sort of like a invasion device for her that allows her to move you know from the abyss and take like all her abyssiness with her and, and like start a new gateway on the world it lands on and that she's she's heading for Greyhawk. So the only thing I can think of is, well, maybe you can't defeat her, but maybe if you can break her spider or something, which is totally doable down in the machine level, you can keep her from being able to invade. But you don't really have anything that indicates that that's what this is all about anyhow. You know what I mean? You don't really know what her mechanisms mm-hmm. are. It's almost as the Dungeon Master, you've got to give the clues to the group mm-hmm. that, you know, you're not going to defeat her. You're going to have to find a workaround. Mm-hmm. You know, Delay defeating her is not an option or delaying her or making her work for it or, you Trapping know, what? or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or even like you might have to fight her and die just to weaken her enough. So the next group can actually, you mm-hmm. know, you might have to right. do the, you know, fall on your sword, as it were, to defeat her. I like that it suggests uh, spells that you can use (laughs) on her. (laughs) It does say, you know, like right here, you know, the following is a list of suggested spells. (laughs) Oh, okay, well. It's like having a caddy uh, for Of course, if you you don't have this list as a player... Then you know what I mean. Yeah. If you don't have this list as a player, then you don't know, right? So. Yeah. Well, and, and that's the other thing is you can't. You know, you, a lot of this sort of thing as a game master, I would I would be like, okay, you know, your cleric is going to, uh, you know, pray to their god, commune or whatever, and, and the god can give them some tips and be like, hey, you know, these are right. this is what you might think of doing, or, or this is going to become important to you. Um, right. But yeah, cut off from that. What do you do? How do you get this to them? Yeah, and it it also says I I think it said that like regular weapons that doesn't work very well. Yeah, she's not affected by them. In fact, her armor right. class. That's the other thing, Thomas. Her armor class is negative ten, so you need yeah, a nat thirty max. to hit her without magic weapons. But even with magic weapons, I mean, I can't think. I mean, like 
when the only I've, I've rarely played high level games, but I've got two characters that legitimately uh, one of them got to ninth level and one got to fourteenth. That was a wizard and a thief, and or illusion, illusionist and a thief. But uh, even then, I think their best magic weapons were like plus three. So I mean, how would you hit that? Yeah, I don't yeah. even know. I mean, magic missiles about your only hope. <laughs> yeah. I mean, if you're you're gonna have to be a higher level. Yeah. You'd I mean, have to be, I would say, above seven to make a difference, honestly, well, right? Or see for in a, this, fourth this level. Yeah, but isn't this like a, it's a 10, 10 to 13, to 14, 10 yeah. to 14? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you're already kind of a high level. So, so let's Considering think. most players, you know, most games don't, I would say on them for the most part, most games do not, um, you know, you don't level up that long. Usually you'll lose interest and move on to other mm-hmm. things at that point or characters get killed off or you play a different game all this i've got this game in mind but it's uh for beginning level characters okay well let's you know and you'll yeah, new shiny start on the next yeah new shiny but like let's see 14th level if you're a warrior i think that makes it so that your faco would be like what would it be it'd be 13 because it's going to go up one every level after i don't know i have for to look a fighter it up, right? warrior yeah yeah so I let's say it's 13 right. So you still need a 23 to hit her. So even with a, you know, plus 3 sword and and you know, a plus 3 strength bonus, let's say you're you're the 1800 guy. Uh right. I mean, you're still, man, like one out of four hits you might hit her. <laughs> yeah. Right. So pretty much what you're going to have to do is then you know what? It would be tactics is what would work. Is okay, we've got our biggest, strongest guy. We've, you know, we've been having him work out. Uh, you know, he's been working out to Eye of the Tiger. Um, <laughs> you know, we've been pumping him full of steroids and everything else. And now we're going to cast these spells on them to buff them up. Mm-hmm. You know, but, you'd but, really. But there again, I mean, right. like, your, your buffer your spells. spells will work, yeah, you can't bless. I mean, that, that was what I was saying. I said, well, you, you know. You get a bunch of characters, you start blessing, you start, you know, but, well, wait, you can't do that. <laughs> but, uh, you know, it, but it's the yeah, point. I, I mean, magic items don't work the same, yeah. I mean, you know, I, I think, you know, if if it were my game, I think it would be kind of lame anyhow to, to have characters go in and, and kill a god. I mean, maybe, but it just, it seems unlikely to me that any mortal is going to kill a god. Well, but, here's what you do. They might be able to take him out, but they don't really kill them. It'd be yeah. like uh, the Flash Gordon movie, Flash kills Ming. But then at the end of the movie, we see Ming come back, you know, off screen and pick up his ring. Mm-hmm. And that'd be the sort of thing. Ah, oh, we've killed Lolf. The Avatar, what, not the... Yeah. But, or no, you do, but then you... The camera pans over to the side and you can see the little white sack of eggs. <laughs> uh, the white sack of eggs that's got, you know... Oh, by the way, there's a thousand Lolfs in here because <laughs> she laid those eggs and they're all, uh, you know, exact copies. Y- you're on to something now, buddy, I tell you. Uh, so th- this is a way I would change the game. Yeah, she's going world to world and laying an egg sack for for new you know minor goddesses of of you know the drow to be uh, hatched. That 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 would be cool. I like that. That's yeah. creepy. That's, so, that's so then you just got to keep her from laying the dark side yeah. thing. Yeah. Keep her from putting or, that egg sack on your world, and that's the main point because you're not going to defeat her. You know. Yeah. Or you've got to go to those worlds, find those egg sacks, and they're still vulnerable while they're there. Yeah. So you've got to find them and destroy them before they hatch. Yeah. No, I, I like that. That's a good one. 
I, I mentioned that we did this with Spelljammer, so I think that's another thing you can do with it is, you know, on her voyage to Greyhawk, you try to intercept her with some Spelljammer ships and, and destroy this, the spider ship or whatever. Um, what, what else would, how would you get, what else would you add or change here, guys? I mean, obviously there's a lot of fixes needed, but, but just to do something different with it, what do you think? Um, let's see. Like in regards to her plan or just, just in just general anything, with the like, whole thing? Yeah. In general or even with her plan, what, what's a twist or turn that you would make with it to, to make it your well, own? Well, I, I would think the key is not to defeat Lolf, but to defeat Lolf's plan. Mm-hmm. That's the that's the adventure twist you're going to have to, and then she can end up she ends up becoming a recurring bad guy. Yeah. What I um think would be neat is if you take some of these NPCs and they give you hints as to what's going like what's going on with her, or some background or why they're there and what their tie is with them, and and then you know maybe um write in something they could give you to help with her fighting her or. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. Something. No, like I, that. I think that's That'd definitely cool. needed so bad in this. Is just throw the players some breadcrumbs, man. Give them yeah. a little bit of knowledge of what they're getting into and and, and what might work. The reveal of the plan that Thomas was talking about too. That's that you know that would be a, you know build build that up as they're going through the web. Yeah, and suddenly it becomes uh, we're not going to uh, uh, we're not going to try and encounter Lolth at all. In fact, she is to be avoided at all costs. The ongoing game could actually be we don't want to uh, <laughs> encounter with her, you know. <laughs> we want nothing to do with her, you know. So you're also you maybe you kind of become on the run from her and her minions, mm-hmm. one step ahead trying to destroy the eggs. So now I had an idea just before we got on on the line here, um, it, it, and I'm going to get a lot of hate mail I think for this one, but. Uh, <laughs> Thomas, are you familiar with the module CM5? What's the title of that one? Okay, here it goes. Earth Shaker. Oh, um... It's the, uh, it's the gnomes that built the mecha. The, like, mecha castle that, like, moves and it's like a big robot kind of thing. All right. It's a very... What I've heard of it is pretty much universal derision. Yeah, like, everybody thinks it's just the goofiest thing ever. But, uh, but hear me out now. Hear me out. What if Loth's giant spider makes it to Greyhawk, but the gnomes come to the rescue with Earthshaker? Oh, I mean, and then you know, what you boy. have, you suddenly have that genre thing mm-hmm. that we were asked about. If you mix Dungeons and <laughs> Dragons with BattleTech. Yes. Well, and with oh, uh, you know Godzilla versus King Kong coming out next week, uh, you know, oh, yeah. hey, it's it's time to do this, folks. Earthshaker versus Queen of the Demon Web Pits. There we go. Okay, I have one thing I have to say about that. Then, you can't use this system. You got to use Dungeon Crawl Classics or Mutant Crawl Classics to make that work. Because <laughs> it's just going to be Gonzo crazy. Gonzo. You, go with, you know. Yeah, that, you got to go with the Gonzo crazy uh, system. You know? I, I like to use the term Guanzo because it's batshit crazy. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Guanzo. Okay. On that note, <laughs> yes. You guys, got any more on this? Um, I would say cherry pick what you like and yeah. get rid of what you don't. Right. Um, pare it, pare it down. That might be another way you can do that. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, pare it down a little, little bit. Maybe not quite so thick, because this one module can be almost an entire campaign on its own. Yes. Yeah. I, yeah. 
I, I if, think, yeah, I think doing a lot of, uh, I'm sorry, I, uh, just jumping on it real quick. I think you're right. I think like I would do a lot of metagaming, uh, throughout the web section, you know, maybe a couple encounters that I really liked, I'd actually have the characters play through. But other than that, I'd, you know, describe them. Hey, these were some things that you would have, you know, that you ran across going through the web and get the fast forward going a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Or you could even do something crazy. Like you do something has the exact opposite effect of what you're expecting, or it's even more over the top and, you know, parts of the web start to collapse and you, you know, you've, you go from level one of the web and fall and manage to catch yourself and you end on level four and skip all the middle stuff. Mm-hmm. And that is a thing on the web is that if you can jump off at certain points, it does say that you can land uh, under the same effects as a feather fall onto the web below. So yeah, maybe make the web made out of like a mirror, you know, go full, full seventies acid dropping disco kind of thing, smoke with mirrors and laser lights and the mirror cracks and you fall through to the next one. Uh, yeah, it'll, yeah. D&D is, you know, directed by Jodorowsky or whatever, the guy <laughs> who was going to do that Dune movie. Uh. Oh, well, I think that brings us to uh, the closing segment, Geek Credit. Right. Hey, hey you, do you have any Geek Credit? All right, we're shaking it up on Geek Credit tonight, guys. Um, I've got the questions, but uh, I, Thomas and Briggy, they're going to join forces, and they're going to uh, answer it as a group. So it's, uh, what, what do you think, guys? Is this going to start any uh, marital disputes here? Highly doubtful. I, yeah, I know. <laughs> I, if Queen of the Demon Web Pitch can't crack us, I think. <laughs> That's right. All right, so uh, for... <laughs> For this edition, I tried to come up with questions that were themed around spiders. Uh, so all of these have something to do with spiders, and they are all uh, they're all multiple choice. So you know, I, I, I get a lot of flack because I always write hard questions, but at least they're multiple choice. You can you can guess twenty five percent of the time the right answer. <laughs> all right, Me. so here we go, okay. and and you guys uh, who who. Uh, we're going to need a party caller, you know, like in the old days of D&D, they had one person that answered for the whole group of players. So uh, out, out of you guys, who's going to be the caller? Briggy uh, is. All right. Oh, I am? Okay. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Why not? All right, so uh, until well, she... Well, because we talk over you enough as it is. Oh, I'm always you... talking over you guys. But it, it, So uh, I'll let you guys debate it as long as you want, and then when she gives the answer, that's what I'll accept and, and tell you if you're right or wrong. All right. All right, first question... I don't think this is too tough. On what continent does the deadliest spider in the world live? Okay, this this spider is known to have the most toxic venom, uh, can kill a person in a matter of 15 seconds. On what continent do they, does this spider live? Your choices are Africa, Asia, South America, or Australia. Um, Africa, Asia, South I, America, I'm going with Australia. Deep. Australia. Australia, I agree. All right, so Briggy, the official answer? Sure. Yes. All right, D, Australia is correct. Yeah. Very good. Yeah, everything that's deadly is in Australia, right? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, yeah. All right, next question. Uh, which Spider-Man movie had the highest 
grossing box office. Oh, okay, and there's all sorts of reboots here. So, um, all right, so you've got the 2002 Spider-Man. Okay, that was the the one with. Uh, oh my goodness, I can't believe I can't think of his name. Uh, Tom? Nope. Uh, no. I can picture him. He was in the uh, Cider House Rules. Um, anyhow. Oh. Who is it, honey? You know who it is. Um. Yeah, he was in the. Toby Maguire. No, not Toby yeah. Maguire. But it's like that. It's like that. Is it Toby yeah. Maguire? That's Toby, Toby Maguire. Maguire. What was the movie yeah. that was uh, with Tom? Uh, <clears throat> excuse me, with Tom Cruise in it. That was. Uh, it's like Maguire. Well, I don't know. I'm going down a whole other route. But anyhow, let's. Yes, uh, Jerry Maguire. Jerry Maguire. Yes. Yes. Yeah, Which there it is. is. All right. One's a person and one's a character in a movie, you silly. Anyway, all right. <laughs> all right, so uh, your choices for the highest grossing box office. 2002 Spider-Man with Tobey Maguire. 2018 Into the Spider-Verse, which was the uh, animated Spider-Man movie. 2014 The Amazing Spider-Man 2, which was the one that had uh, uh, Electro in it, played by Jamie Foxx. And then the 2019 Spider-Man Far From Home. So which one was the highest grossing for the box office? 2002 Spider-Man, 2018 Into the Spider-Verse, 2014 The Amazing Spider-Man 2, or 2019 Spider-Man Far From Home? I know the answer to this one. Uh, yeah, go for it, because I think it's well, the, the Spider-Verse one, right? Uh, no, actually. Oh, okay. You would think that because it what one best animated movie that year. Yes. Yeah, but no. It is the best one in my. It was very successful, but it it is actually it is one of the more least successful Spider-Man movies, which are still successful movies. Mm -hmm. Yeah. No, there's a little critical thinking there. Uh, It's Spider-Man: Far From Home because it was the first movie after Endgame. Yeah. Oh yeah, probably. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Interestingly enough. the next highest uh, was the 2002, according to the numbers that I saw on the internet. Anyhow, and the internet never lies. That's right. <laughs> but yeah, Spider Verse, which was an amazing movie, yeah, it, it it didn't fare too well, which is sad. I mean, it was great. Yeah, yeah. Sad. I mean, it was awesome. It was oh so yeah, good. yeah. All right. All right. Next spider so, question. So, all right. So far, so good. Yeah, two out of two. Uh, in the first edition, AD and D. Which of these spiders is bigger? Okay, bigger in size. Which of these spiders is considered bigger by first edition AD&D? Is it the giant spider, the huge spider, the phase spider, or the large spider? So again, your choices are giant, huge, (laughs) phase, or large. By size, which one's biggest? (laughs) I don't know that one. Uh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna take. It's either giant or phase. So, um, Briggy, pick one. <laughs> I was, giant my or gut phase? was saying phase. Honestly, you going with All phase? Right. Yeah. Well, you're right. It is the phase spider. Ooh. The phase spider has a height of 14 feet, whereas the giant spider is only 12. Huge is six, and large is only the size of a dog at two foot. All right. No, yeah, only a two-foot spider. Yeah, only a two-foot spider? What you talking about? That's nothing, man. <laughs> All right, three out of three. So you guys have locked in geek credit, but let's, uh, let's see if you can make a perfect run of it here. All right. Okay. Which of these publications 
was the first appearance of Loth? Was it deities and demigods? Descent into the depths? Monster Manual 1? Or the original Greyhawk supplement? Hmm. Where do we first hear the name Loth? Deities and demigods? Descent into the depths? Monster Manual 1? Or the original Greyhawk supplement? That would be like for the white box set. Um, I, you want me to go with this one? Cause I'm yeah, gonna because say, I really don't know. I'm not familiar with it. I'm going to say deities and demigods because I want to say fiend folio, but I'm like, no, that's not right. That was so the next gut. Next, and that's not one of the options. So I'm going to go with deities and demigods. Right. Yeah, the deities and demigods is my gut thought, but I don't know. It's... Yeah, so she is in there, but to the best of my research, uh, Descent into the depths is the first mention of her, and it only mentions her. It says that there's a, uh, there's like a brooch that has an inscription that that talks about her as a god, and that's the first mention of her. Okay. Excuse me. Hmm. All right. Uh, then the last one. Um, who played the lead character Doctor Ross in 1990s cult classic Arachnophobia? Okay, so he's like the lead character, the good guy. Uh, would it be Jeff Bridges, John Goodman, Jeff Daniels, or John Lithgow? Jeff Bridges, uh, John Goodman, Jeff Daniels, John Lithgow. I'm going to go with <sighs> Jeff Daniels. I think he was in that. I've only, it's been a while. It's been a long time for me. <laughs> yeah, sorry guys. I didn't know that I was. Such a, such a big fan of the movie. <laughs> I like, oh, everybody loves this. Everybody watches this all the time. Let's so, go with Jeff Daniels because he's yeah. done everything. All right, so, comedy, so, action, drama. Whatever. I mean, you yeah. did mention John Goodman earlier, but but he yeah he's not the lead. I'll give you that. He's not that. the lead. I know yeah. he's not the lead. I know he's. I didn't not. think he was. Doesn't he play? Yeah. Anyway, I'm not. I don't remember. So, so Briggy, um, you, you did confirm you're going with Jeff Daniels, right? Yeah. That is correct. Sure. All right. Yay. Look awesome. at that. Yeah, so four out of five. That's a that's a great uh, score there, guys. You got your geek credit. All right. <laughs> All right. Well, that that's going to wrap it up tonight, folks. Uh, we've, we've taken you to the queen of the demon web pits. We've brought you through geek credit. Uh, if you have anything that you would like us to cover or any correspondence something we can read in the, on the air we'd love to you can catch us at this old dungeon at gmail.com uh, that's t-h-i-s-o-l-d-u-n-g-e-o-n at gmail.com yeah and yeah we love questions so yeah we love the, the viewer mail yeah <laughs> viewer really mail. exciting i say it like we're on letterman yeah. <laughs> but, but yeah it's, nice. it's, it's, it's a thrill nice. to get anything so. Yeah, absolutely. All right, I don't know what we're going to cover next time, but until then, I'm Lou Alu. I'm Briggy. And I'm Thomas. Good night. You've been listening to the This Old Dungeon podcast. Copyright 2021-111. The views expressed, well, let's just say we're unreliable narrators, so listen at your own risk. But otherwise, folks, have a pleasant day.